Hello and welcome to Cordial Concentrate with Brett Crossley and Tom Bennett, the 15-minute concentrated version of the podcast where we mix and contemplate cordial conversations about the world, the people in it, and their work. Hello and welcome back everybody to another Cordial Podcast. Today I am chatting to James Casales from Seattle, Washington in the States. He comes from a sonar engineering background, but brought his scientific and logical mind to the coffee industry. Founding the coffee group Grupo Toruño Nayarita in Mexico, as well as Finkelab and San Cristobal Coffee Importers in the States, Jim has a very impressive CV for innovation and quality control in coffee. So Jim, you're a man of endless stories and life experiences, that's for sure. Uh, But can you tell the listeners a little bit about your life before you made the change to get into the coffee industry? Any funny stories that you've got? Oh, there's enough of those. <laughs> but um, no, I was I went to school in physics and geophysics at the University of Wisconsin a lot of years ago. And uh, I've, I started out in physics, um, and I was locked up in the basement with the Van de Graaff generator for, for months and months. And then I stumbled into a... Uh, a job as a as a undergraduate with the geophysics department and we got in our seismic trucks and started driving around the mountains putting geophones in the ground and that was awfully nice getting outside getting into the boonies meeting the people said wow this is a lot better than being stuck in the basement with the van de Graaff generator so i sort of sidled over to geophysics and that resulted in a basically starting a whole career of traveling doing science experiments, getting to the Arctic, getting to the tropics, spending months in Venezuela, months on the ice. And it was really nice. And that turned into mapping systems, underwater sound, and that turned into working for defense contractors. And after I finally figured out that the whole name of the game for them is shareholder value tomorrow and all my long-term research started going away, um, I started looking for an alternative, and I stumbled into coffee as I learned that it was an environmentally sensitive product. Nice, nice, nice. So you mentioned that you worked in defense. Is that a bit of an Edward Snowden situation there where you get contracted in and you literally saved the states from bad things that happen? Oh, good Lord, I hope not. <laughs> but but uh, no, we... Uh, uh, The whole sonar stuff, I was doing a lot of underwater acoustics. Uh, This whole thing about underwater acoustics, we don't think about it much ourselves. Um, We are used to listening to our friends, using our ears, um, walking around and, and maybe appreciating the environmental noise or maybe not. Maybe it just gets in the way. But if you think about being underwater and if you're a whale... You're in, a, you're in a giant concert hall, which is the ocean, and any, any sound that comes echoes and reverberates just, just like you went in a concert hall and clapped your hands, you hear echoes and reverberation. And that's what the whales are hearing. That's what the dolphins are hearing. And when the ships go by and make a lot of noise, it's like a fog because these critters are, are navigating with their sound and they're seeing with their sound. So once I started understanding a little bit about that, we started using the sound to see the ocean bottom and make maps of the ocean bottom. 
and so I generated uh, maps from one kilometer to 20 kilometers wide. We built sonars to map uh, for cable route surveys. And I think in defense, the most important thing was building 3D imaging systems that could find things that somebody left in your harbor that they shouldn't have. Mm. Yeah, those pesky things. I think uh, <laughs> there's there were quite a few left around from the, the Second World War and whatnot. Yeah, really true. So once you start thinking that way, then you can you know, make some money that way. And, and uh, we started a company that made mapping systems. We built off the mapping system that I built for mapping manganese nodules for deep ocean mining. Um, that sonar we call the CMARC for Sea Mapping and Remote Characterization. Beautiful acronym. Yep. Columbia University bought one. And one thing led to another, and that was the sonar that was out looking for the, the first first sonar out looking for the Titanic. Right. That's another long story we could go into quite a quite a ways. <laughs> so Finkelab effectively enabled growers or, or or people at the farm level to be able to implement quality control to the SCA standard. But another byproduct of that, let's say, is traceability. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown on how, how you came about the traceability side of things? Yeah, it's interesting. A traceability is the inevitable consequence of process control. So if your objective is to consistently produce good coffee, you need to control every one of the steps in that production. So coffee production is not artisanal, it's it's manufacturing. So you think of it as manufacturing. That means each one of the steps, how you pick the fruit, what the fruit quality is, how you measure the fruit quality, how you put that fruit together every day from the people who are picking it to produce a lot, how you, how you dry that lot, how you ferment it, how you do anything to it that affects its flavor, and then how you evaluate it and evaluating it to to uh, professional standards, and then designing blends of lots that were dried on different days, and then processing those blends. Every one of those steps you have to take from the coffee plant to the exporting. And if you're managing every one of those steps, traceability falls on the floor in front of you. You, you, you trip over it. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown on, on how your, your pricing model works for the farmers, how they're able to earn better prices than if they were selling to the so-called coyotes on the street? Well, we do the, we've separated because coffee is uh, manufacturing, each of the participants has a role to play. The producer, the, pr the role of the producer is to maintain his parcella, to keep his plants in good health to make sure the forest is around it, the shade is managed, uh, the, 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 the ground is good, things are fertilized, uh, you don't have diseases on the plants. He's got a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, he doesn't need another job of coming in and trying to, trying to haul and ferment and do all the stuff in his backyard. He's got enough work to keep his, his coffee plants good and actually produce some avocados and some citrus on the side to help maintain as the coffee commodities market jerks his prices around. So if you're looking at stability, 
he needs he needs to have agrodiversity, not just coffee. So his job is to produce the coffee. The organization's job is to take that fruit that's produced and maximize its value by by carrying the fruit forward and getting the best quality out of that fruit that you can and selling that into the appropriate market. If it's really good, it goes to this market. If it's pretty good, it goes to that market. If it's okay, it goes to this market. If it's lousy, hopefully you haven't got too much, it goes into that other market. So the, the group's job is to do that. The coffee producer's job is to bring in good fruit all the time. So that's what he needs to get paid for. So mm-hmm. what we do is we say, okay, guys, we're going to give you the price of the fruit will be just sort of what the commodities price is. We'll, we'll, we'll make it a little bit better. If you were selling just to commodities, you'd get eight pesos for your, per kilo for your fruit. We'll give you eight pesos. But you're part of the organization. And now when that coffee goes out the door, if that coffee went into a really good lot because it was really good, and that lot made a lot of money, we'll give you a premium. So some of those producers, their 8 pesos turns into 18 pesos because that coffee they brought in was really good. The fruit quality was measured when they brought it in, and they get a premium based on the fruit quality. And the group gets a premium based on the quality of the coffee that goes out. So you map that premium back to the producers to pay them for their fruit and pay them for the fruit on a scale that's related to the fruit quality. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a it's a feed forward and feedback system, and it and it really works. And you mentioned agrodiversity there. I I actually came and visited back in April two thousand and nineteen, and I can remember walking through the farm, and there were orange trees, mandarin trees, chilies. There was avocado trees, all of this sort of different crops growing. And it was quite an experience to walk through the coffee fields eating an avocado off the ground. As a as a good Melbourne boy I am, I love my avocados. Yeah, and they're pretty good too. Yeah. <laughs> no, do- no doubt. So they're, yeah. they're, even the ones you pick up off the ground are better than the ones you find in the shop. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. You know, the old joke about, or not a joke, the saying about it takes a village. And really, it takes a village. You're trying to involve the community and get help the community develop by increasing their income, the income for the community. That's one model. The other model is too often touted in the recent years. You see the hillside, the mountainside. You see the picture of the producer with a couple bags of coffee at his feet. Standing next to him is his wife holding the baby. And now there's a big hand that comes out of the sky and picks those two bags off the, off the ground next to him, and he gets a lot of money for his coffee. That's, that's what the public thinks of as traceability and good coffee coming. And who is that benefited? That has benefited one guy out of the 60 producers, and it has benefited the, the importer who's making a lot of money on that coffee. It has, it has done virtually nothing for the community. So you have to back up from that image and think about cooperation, synergy, the, uh, and the economy of scale. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the betterment of all people, not just one. Exactly. One of the statements that uh, really stuck out for me, Brady, 
was that coffee is not artisanal, but rather manufacturing. I guess this is uh, bringing further ideas of technology and economics into coffee and the industry. And I guess it's it can be seen in the Brazilian side of things where everything is is done to the finest tea. They have uh, a lot more, I guess, capital and, and knowledge and technology in making coffee a, a profitable product as well as a more complex uh, industry than what's been done historically with coffee. So, so what you're saying, Tom, is that there's a, a new shift or a new age in coffee production where we must, in Jim's opinion, and something you're quite interested in, is that we need to move away from this idea that coffee is an artisanal kind of handed down between generation, between the family uh, who's looking after the crop, uh, and then instead that we must adopt more scientific and rigorous approaches to mass produce and improve the quality uh, and output yeah, for sure. um, systemically is perhaps what he's trying to raise and, and help help along. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the advancements of technologies and, and being able to to now put our fingers on, you know, weather patterns and way things grow and a bit more of a biological understanding about what's happening within, you know, agricultural products, I think now it, it, it kind of has to step into a manufactured good rather than an artisanal thing that's, you know, passed down from generation to generation by spoken word. I mean, those things definitely do help and, and potentially there are some things that science, you know, can't necessarily explain just yet. But for sure, I think uh, manufacturing is, is definitely a better way to look at the way the coffee industry is going now. Mm, I think that's fair. I mean, just talking to Eduardo in our last podcast, man, it was interesting to hear him apply this new age of thinking as well. I mean, he's applying science and he's working with agroforestry people developing new systems that are scientifically rigorous and modern and will take coffee to the next level towards that mass production and high quality and high kind of environmental value too that perhaps wasn't always there passed down through this artisanal means that we've had before. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cordial Concentrate. You can hear the full-length version by heading to Cordial on all major platforms like Spotify, by visiting our website and Instagram at cordial.live, or simply check the show notes for a link. Otherwise, we will be back next time with a brand new guest to mix and contemplate more Cordial conversations about the world, the people in it, and their work. 